I'm all ready to go. Okay, this is the Zach and Skeeter Small Publisher Seminar. Uh, I am Skeeter Green. This is Zach Glazer. And the person who actually knows what we're talking about is down there on the end, Crystal Mazur. Hello. And today, uh, we only have an hour, so we're going to do kind of an abbreviated um, seminar. Uh, we're going to start with uh, discussing the difference between being a small publisher and being a freelancer. Yes. Because Crystal is the freelancer supreme. Uh, and we will go ahead and start with Mr. Zach Laser of Frog God Games, and he's going to describe what he does when uh, talking to freelancers, and then I will actually say the difference. Okay. Uh, my name is Zach Laser. I'm the uh, COO of Frog God Games, which uh, we are a medium-sized publisher. Um, we produce about 40 books a year. Of varying uh, subsystems, we work for we do 5e, uh, Castles of Crusades, and OSC now, and uh, we have about up to 44 people we work with. Most of all, are contracts with freelancers, mm -hmm. and I meet most of the freelancers. That might have been my phone. That was mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I meet most of the freelancers that I meet I use, either are soliciting me on email or I meet at conventions. And I go to about, used to go to 12 conventions a year, I go down to six. So I, it's a lot of traveling, but um, it's a rewarding part of my job to do that. I don't write anything anymore. I did write stuff back in the day, but I have not written anything in anger in a long time, <laughs> except email. <laughs> um, but I do uh, often uh, run into people who wind up being, the best part of my day is like today I met an editor. I was so excited because we need another editor because we have so many books. <laughs> and, even with like you know looking like an ugly economy and everything else, uh, we still going to produce books, and we're happy to do so. And we do our best to get the best freelancers that we can find and can afford. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You, you're so good, I can't afford it. Um, How do you know? You never made an offer. Not nice true. Oh, Ooh, <laughs> uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. No. So what happens? Uh, the process basically, if you the difference between being a small publisher is you do all the work as a one-man woman show to make sure that you are able to get something out. You write, you, you write, you type it, you put it in the layout, you put your own layout, you do, you do your own art, you buy the art. You're, you're kind of more of a project manager than just an author. Whereas a freelancer for us is we solicit, um, you know, we, we take actual pitches and proposals and we turn those into books, and our best ideas are almost never our own. I'm going to be straight up honest with that. We, we seldom assign uh, projects based on, hey, I need 15 halflings and a goblin to be doing it. It's mostly a give us a one paragraph pitch, and then if we like it, we will you know, go through and produce it. That's how we work with that now. And that's because of people like Crystal who have better ideas than I've had in a long time. So I may read a lot of stuff, but I don't think it through as often as I do, and I don't, can't be everywhere all, everywhere all the time. And there's so many awesome parts of nerdery that have so many interesting things that can benefit from cross-pollination that uh, we're open to submissions. And so generally, um, we hire our, we don't pay as much as Wizards of the Coast does by any sense. We don't make as much money, obviously. But we do pay, um, Frequently and on time, which makes us uh, fairly popular to work for. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
Um, we're proud of the work we do. I'm proud to work with freelancers, and honestly, I anybody who ever wants to talk to me after the fact, I'm available through uh, email and Facebook, etc. And happy to take any questions to go. But honestly, for the process for us, is really that simple: a good idea and a history of having anything published helps, but it's not required. Um, and if you're a freelance artist, we have a guy who does just that and it helps you develop the art. And we have a whole process for that. I could talk about those questions, but it's very specific. And like I said, I'm excited to be layout people, editors. There are a lot of pieces that you don't, <coughs> as a fan and a fan of books and a, even a, a pro fan, <laughs> um, you don't realize it goes into it and you can't, not one person can very effectively do it all, all the time. But like I couldn't do her job anymore at all because it is a constant attention to the kinds of details and following trends in the industry. I'm not, you can explain all the parts I'm missing here that, that I, I can't do. So I'm using her as examples of what I can't do. What I can do, I do the business side of these things. I make sure that we don't make terrible decisions anymore. Uh, no, and I make sure that everybody gets what they need to get it done. I'm the guy who supplies the resources, not just money, our assets. I need to have somebody that knows something about Japan. Well, hey, I got, I know a guy, right? Um, so I'm the I know a guy guy. <laughs> but um, without freelancers who are professional and willing to work and willing to take on stuff and willing to do the kinds of things that they do best, we couldn't do what we do. I wouldn't be able to do, this has been a dream to me to do this full time. I am elves all day along, all day. Elves and dragons, that's what I mean. And I couldn't do it without the people who do that. So if anybody's interested in being a freelancer versus a small publisher, by all means. Now, if you don't want to talk to people like me, and you think people like me have no good ideas, and you want to be a self-publisher, you'd be your own freelancer. And that's something I'll have him talk about in a second. But uh, that's the other route. Right? There are two routes to get to the stuff that you want to see published, um, and those are them. So, Chris, do you want to talk a little bit about being a freelancer first? Yeah. And what that's like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. Um, so one of the things about being a freelancer is that you need to be in charge of your own time. A lot of times you're given a deadline and you have to fill that space in between. So for instance, if Zach were to hire me and say, I need 10,000 right. words in uh, a month, I have to make sure that I can uh, reasonably accommodate that. Okay. Um, a lot of times, and I will say this with every ounce of my being, please don't just quit your day job <laughs> thinking that you are going to be able to pay your bills because you're not. <laughs> Unless you get extremely lucky and land that position or that full-time freelance position where they are paying you a salary versus per word count, you will, you will be struggling. And I don't ever want to put anybody's hopes up too high on the I'm going to make it. You're going to work hard. Absolutely. You can get to a point where you would be doing that full time. And I encourage people to do that, but you have to not just throw your whole being into it and endanger your family, your livelihood, your home or anything like that. Please don't ever try to do that. I would never encourage anybody to do that. Yeah, so. the, the amount of full-time freelancers that can have, that can do their work and earn a living wage, few and far between, yeah. and you know the names of the people that can do that. It was the Monty Cooks before he wrote 
third edition, it's Steve Winters. Steve Winter can do that. Ed Greenwood, obviously, one of the best examples. Um, I just want to touch on one thing really quick that, that Zach was talking about, the difference between a small publisher and a freelancer. If you think of it uh, in the construction field, a small publisher is a general contractor. They take care of everything. They oversee everything. When the product is done, that small publisher's name is on the product. A freelancer does a part of that work. They, they do the writing, the editing, the layout, the art, uh, graphic design. It can be anything. They are the specialists. Just like a doctor, there are general practitioner doctors and there are orthopedics, because I can say that because I'm in a booth. Um, <laughs> so uh, freelancers are gen the freelancers that do well focus on one thing that they do well and Keep is, better. is easy yep. for them, easier for them. And they focus on that and then that's it. So once their part of a project is done, they're done. Yeah. Um, there has been uh, a bunch of social media uh, messages over the years where somebody will turn in something they've written and then the company that purchases that changes it significantly and the author gets upset. Well, that is... Too bad. <laughs> in, I'll go in, that in, a in an ideal yep. world, that is um, written out in your original contract that once you turn in your words, you're done. Yep. Uh, you may get called back for rewrites or, or small changes, stuff like that, but the company who pays a freelancer owns the work and you're done. A small publisher is never really done with a project. They just finish it and move on. It's, it's one of those things like a musician. You're never done with a song, but you have to let it go. Um, and Crystal can talk more yeah. about that. So um, the best way to think about freelancing, specifically like writing or editing, is or specifically writing, actually, I'm gonna talk about that right now, is that if you think about it as you are writing something and playing in someone else's sandbox. However, until they pay you, you technically own that because it's your creativity. Now, obviously there is legal, because you're gonna be signing a contract, don't ever take work where you don't sign a contract. Nope. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, like there are other legal things to that, but until they pay you for that, uh, it's yours. Once they pay it for you, that's it. You're done. You don't have any other connection. You you may be asked to do like maybe other parts of the project if someone fell through or anything like that. But the development and everything like that is a whole other deal and a whole other world. Um, and if you are interested in doing development work, um, I can absolutely talk a little bit more on that. But that's outside of more of the scope of what this panel you is can about. Take questions on it, though. I can take questions on it, absolutely. There's a whole uh, additional seminar tomorrow. There is. It's there, one of my Crystal seminars. Crystal is putting on that uh, she's letting me be part of. So we're going to yep. get into that stuff tomorrow. Uh, but because we have a limited amount of time, uh, we wanted to 
let you guys ask specific questions and try to address those questions with more time. We normally have two hours for this. We only have an hour. Yep. So uh, does anybody have any specific questions they want addressed? I see eyes twitching like looking at everybody else. So just blurt one out if you have any kind of question. Where is the best place to find the starter set of resources that have already been collated when someone asks this question? How do I get started? Crystal, that's a question for her. Yeah, uh, so in order to get started, um, one of the things is I've done a lot of panels on that and I actually decided, um, and this is where my, my panel and why we're recording today and tomorrow, um, is I do a tabletop RPG freelancer mentorship podcast. And the very first one is Getting Started. And it literally lists everything that you need to get started. We go over briefly programs for computers. We go over what to look for in a contract. And I go and I deep dive further into that in further episodes. So um, honestly, there are several, they're like, there are many, many different pathways into getting into freelancing. Um, I got into it because my friend was in the industry. He needed a thousand words or a scenario with kids for a Halloween scenario. He said, you have a month get it done. So I wrote it and it got published and you can purchase it. And from there, the person who did my layout ended up hiring me for PIP system. I wrote on PIP system core book. It ended up winning an any and he promoted me to lead developer in the middle of the any's on stage. Um, I love telling them that. Surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise. I wouldn't have turned him down, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, so my pathway is going to look very, very different than from other, other people's pathways because I had a friend, a connection already in. Sometimes you have that, sometimes you don't. Um, some of the ways that you can absolutely get in would be community content. Um, I know as a creative and a developer, I look at community content for people to write on larger product, projects. I was hired for several different projects, including Chicago by Night, because of my community content that I put out for the launch for Storyteller's Vault. So there are things that you can do and throw out into the world that you can absolutely own a part of um, legally that will help get your foot in the door. And then coming to conventions, having some sort of landing space, such as a website, or an email to contact and a business card. And you go to every single publisher and you introduce yourself. And you say, I'm a freelancer, who would I talk to about submitting or your submission process? You have a conversation with them, you get their business card, give them a week because con drop is a thing. And then a, like I- It's I, a big thing. It's a big thing. Um, Google actually allows you to schedule, and I'm one of those where I'm energized after a con, so I absolutely, the day I get back, send out emails, and I schedule them to go out a week later. It's great. I don't have to even think about it. I get all my energy out, and it goes out into the ether, and at the time that I said it was going to, it sends out, and then I now have my contact. I'm stealing that idea. That's a great idea. Just one second. Uh, Crystal's online site where this would be is oh yeah you can oh, go yeah yeah so <laughs> <And> mine too <laughs> i apologize so you can go to darker days radio which is a horror podcast and you're going to look up ttrpg fm 
that's the shortened version for it, but it's the Freelancer Mentorship Podcast series. So um, you can find it on Darker Days. I will be putting up a link on my personal website, which is the Geeky Panda as well. Um, but I'm terrible at updating it. The Darker Days podcast is actually really good when you get into it. We we have a lot of stuff. We have a lot of, we talk about like Warhammer and World of Darkness, Chronicles of Darkness. We have a series called uh, Secret Frequencies where we talk about weird, cryptidy, real life things and how to throw them into your game. So it's very valuable. Uh, And Zach and I have a YouTube series uh, on Goddamn (laughs) Zach. We haven't done that in a long time. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't done it in a long time, but there are a dozen or half a dozen videos that we have that is strictly small publisher seminars. So, uh, goddamn it, Zach, you can check that out. Um, question Go the next. Uh, Alyssa. Uh, I've got a two-part question, and I'm one of the professionals on one of the YouTube guests. And um, the first part of the question is, there's a lot of people who want to get into um, self-publishing, writing, editing, whatever it is. They want to be in the business. But do you? Really? Because when they actually get their first gig, weeks, months, whatever goes by, and they're just clearly not cut out for it. So one question for you, Crystal, and one part of this is, how do you recognize that in yourself and what do you do about it? How do you overcome that? Because I think it catches a lot of people out. Absolutely. And on the flip side to these two fine, handsome gentlemen here, um, <laughs> I was talking about these two guys. Let's sure. How do you recognize or mitigate, like taking someone on or engaging with someone who maybe isn't quite as uh, I can answer that one. Um, you, you start and then Crystal and then. Well, you actually you, you go the first part of the question and I can do, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. do the first part. Okay, so um, there's a combination of you have to have a thick skin and you have to stand your ground. Um, I have learned that I cannot work for someone who is weak, which is like if they see me as someone who is intimidating um, and they're they're trying to hold me back or keep me down or not let me be who I truly am and make me shrink myself down, I will absolutely not work for them. I have quit full-time jobs because of that. Does um, that seriously happen? Yes. Oh my God. Oh, it's... In this world you, or the real world? <laughs> yes, in both. In both. I have, and so you have to recognize like the spot that you fill and what you want to fill. And then you have to recognize just how much you want to participate. I have an inflated sense of justice, and I know this, <laughs> um, which is why I have been doing these panels and talking and you know sharing my experiences and being very loud about it, um, but in a way that I'm trying to be productive and get the message out there that I want the industry to change for the better. Um, there are people that just don't have the spoons for that. And I recognize that. And so you have to kind of figure out what part you want to play in there. And sometimes we need a supporting class. Like I absolutely have had people message me privately of, hey, this actually happened to me too, but I cannot talk about it. I just cannot put myself out there like that. And I will absolutely first ask permission to use those stories or those examples or anything like that. But I leave their name out of it because they want to be separate from it. 
but I put it out there for them because I have the spoons and sometimes I have the knives. So <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those where you have to figure out what, what your place is and what you want to do and how you want to interact with it. And I know some freelancers who have no contact with social media whatsoever because they just cannot for their own mental health handle it. Um, and they are absolutely successful at it and they, they still have amazing careers and they are actually at this convention currently. So there, there, is, there, there are bad aspects to the industry. There's a bad aspect to every industry. There are people that are trying to change it and that are trying to do better and gravitate towards those people and support those people. That would be my suggestion. And from the other side of the perspective of that, um, she's right. And actually part of having a relationship with anybody who is providing something is important to you. When you're making something and then you care about a great deal, especially when you start out, my very first product, I think I rewrote 18 times. Right. I cared very much about hiring the best people you can is so very important and you don't want to make them angry. You don't want to make them feel like devalued, so you have to pay attention. But on the flip side, the one that Alyssa brings up, we have depth to who we know. We don't want to pay, we not necessarily have to pay everybody, but have a network of people that, okay, this artist we thought was great, and this happened more than a few times. Like everything's great about them, they have a, even have their own contract, they have their own book. You all, you, all of a sudden you're ghosted. I just learned that term. I used it. You're ghosted. You used it correctly, too. I know. Look at me. Yeah. You're so hip. No, no I'm not. Um, no, but um, having the depth and have, knowing people to ask. Like, for example, if I was somebody was interested in doing a part, project that was important and had a short uh, time frame, I would ask Skeeter Green. I would ask Crystal. I would ask people that I know, how reliable are they? And sometimes, depending on the, on the how long or time frame you have, it has to be completely reliable. But sometimes you really want to see certain kinds of certain kinds of projects succeed, or you have someone has an idea that is just so good, and you know that with a little bit of listening and advice, uh, you will get something way better. But that when a business decision comes into it, it becomes a little bit harder, and that's why the networking counts so much because we have three people we will talk to if we need a map and. Some people will need a map tomorrow. I know who they are. I need a map six months from now, but you need the greatest map ever, 12 feet by 12 feet, for example. I know who that is. And there are others that have, we have done a few maps that are very specific for us a certain way. And they're the same with writing, same with everything else. Having depth is what we do, and we pay these people, so we have that's an advantage for us. But I can share that advantage with anybody who wants to know by sharing my experience and saying, hey, this is somebody who may know somebody. I've talked to Jeff Tulaney, sitting right there, I'll point him out. I need a black and white artist and I need one really quick. Who do I get? And he got me one of the best people in the industry contacted. I don't you, know. You person. need an artist who works in black and white. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Not a black and white artist. Sure, that, whatever. That sounded totally weird. <laughs> whatever. Only you. No. Um, no, but seriously, you <clears throat> mitigate that by thinking in advance and looking at like a business project. And it's really sometimes hard at the beginning, it was for me to look at, well, this is not a business project, this is a world full of elves and i love worlds full of elves that's why i do what i do but i have to pay 44 people and late books cost money and so the flip side of where she's at is that i try now to schedule newer people on projects i know have flexibility so i can see new people because new people make new things and i love new stuff yep. honestly so and go ahead 
So I have a recent example that happened in the last week of uh, a freelancer that I have worked with for literally decades. And that person decided they did not want to communicate with me anymore on my time frame. And I had to get over the fact that I was friends with this person and fairly good friends with them at one time and they had to go. I had to move on and that was hard. Um, you, you, you have a network that you build up of people and you, you rely on certain people and you create relationships with these people and when life happens, sometimes those relationships have to change and or end. And it's tough. But if you're going to be a small publisher, you owe it to yourself to make the correct decisions for the company and for the project that you're working on. And it's hard. And if you are not the kind of person that can do that, small publishing isn't going to be for you because people will eat you up. So, next question. I was just going to mention that you mentioned the storytellers. Um, yeah. Storyteller vault, yeah. Yeah, that, and there's also the storytellers. Um, what's the one that actually does the storytellers collective? There's also an entryway to RPG writing as well. So storyteller collective is um, an, is a wonderful project. It's not community content, but what she does is she does essentially a mentorship training program where you create your own product. Um, it originally started for DMs Guild. I don't know if she expanded upon it or not. Oh, are they doing Call of Cthulhu? That's amazing. Um, I was I was a part of that launch, and um, I absolutely love that program. And if that is something that you are able to do and afford the time and and the money, because I do believe it costs something, um, that is a worthwhile endeavor. Because many of those people who have gone through that program are now freelancers and are putting and working on some pretty big name stuff. Like a lot of pretty big name stuff. So yes, absolutely. Thank you. Michael. So uh, Zach, you're the CMO of Frogon Games. I'm freelancer, random freelancer number one. I walk up to you at a convention and say, I would like to work Frogon Games, or this community company on Frogon Games. Um, what do you need to see from me to know that I'm a serious candidate for being a freelancer. Follow up, follow up email. Honestly, a follow up is what I I will get a business card, and unless I really have a, a burning business reason to go forward, I, what I'm building is I'm building a rogues gallery of people, and to it's people who follow up, I'm automatically this goes back to what Alyssa said. A follow up to a meeting automatically makes me feel like hey. This is someone. This is somebody's interested, and I may not need that right now or that style of what that is, but I know people who do. Um, one of the few things I don't—I don't make a lot of money at this, but I, I collect a lot of connections, and I get people from bigger companies, smaller companies, all around. That, who do you know? Well, I know lots of people, and I'm impressed by people who do follow-ups. I'm even more impressed by people who will hear me say no and come back again four months, have a new idea. You know what? It takes moxie. It takes you believe in yourself. I believe that those things make you a better freelancer and someone I want to work with. 
you know, it just that helps a whole lot. But the follow up for me is key. And after that, I'll tell you on an email, hey, I need a sample of one paragraph, or I need you to send it to this person for art, or hey, this is our editor, and he can take a look. You know, that's that becomes specific and unimportant here, but the follow up is the biggest one. I have an example, another one here, uh, and this ties again back to the question that Alyssa asked whether people know that they can be a freelancer, you know, if they, if they have it in them. Um, I got told for 12 years that I couldn't write from somebody that I respected very much in the industry that has a proven track record of doing things correctly. Every time I turned something in, they said, eh, you need to do something else. You, this isn't for you. So I had to be like, oh my God. And I took on smaller pieces of things. If, if you're gonna be a freelancer and an author, you don't necessarily have to churn out you know, 15,000 words every week to be a freelancer. I mean, if, it, if your contract calls for that, then yes, you can If you do can it. do that, yeah, call me. you will make full-time full money. Yeah. <laughs> just Please saying. give me a call if you can do 15,000 words a week. We'll talk. <laughs> but what happens is, like, if you hit a dry spell or you get writer's block, maybe you shift to, hey, I'm going to write a half a dozen spells for a game or a dozen small encounters. Things like that keep you writing, but doesn't drain you as much as doing a fully cohesive story. And to Alyssa's question, if you are not in a position where you can do a full story, maybe you need to write the smaller chunks. Um, that's actually how I got into Necromancer games before it became Frog God games. Uh, I wrote trap uh, stat blocks for 3.0 because I could do the math. Uh, Casey Christofferson was one of the main writers at that point, and he hated doing that. And he asked me, hey, can you do this? He still hates that. And I did one, and he was like, hey, can you do a dozen of these? And like next day, I was able to hand it to him. But that's how you start to gauge what your capabilities are. And as a freelancer, you need to know what your boundaries are, and then you need to be able to push yourself to push those boundaries. Because you, you can't stay static. You have to, it's, it's a muscle. Writing is a muscle. And you have to keep doing it. And if you end up not doing it for several months, like I did a couple of months ago, you got to push yourself to get back into it. And then once you do, it becomes easier again. So, Alyssa, did that actually answer your it question? Beautiful. It was a half oh, <laughs> I have one thing to add. One thing I want to add. Um, just one thing I want to add is that one of the useful. We talk about. Small publisher is freelancer. A small publisher is what you're interested in. One of the most useful things about being a small publisher is discovering what you're terrible at. Because um, ha after having to figure out what it is you, could you watch other people do stuff? Like, well, that doesn't look so hard. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> when you do one yourself, you learn an aspect of everything, and that really helps you identify what you're good at. Like, I can lay out books really slow. I can write super slow. But there are things that I do that I do pretty well, there's some graphic stuff. I mean, I'm not an artist, but I'm a manipulator. But to save money, because I can't hire everybody to do everything, 
by identifying the places where you're weakest, you can grow into them or you can buy them. And you know what? There are some real talent that's out there wants to actually take your money. Because it's not a lot of money, but it's respect money. Because then you'll feel better about cashing that check than you will anything else, in my opinion. Yep. That's the best feeling check you ever cashed was the first 50 bucks the frog I gave me. I'm like, wow, someone else is giving me money for this? That's crazy. <laughs> and you, you know what? 50 bucks? Yeah, it took a while. Um, no, but in all honesty, that ability to identify what you're not good at takes you to the next step. It's like, well, who is? And that's when you start asking. So That's how you build your network. Yep. It's finding out where you're lacking and then filling those holes. Yes. I have one question for freelancing and one question for small publisher. Crystal the got the first one. Go for it. On the freelancing side, you know, it sounds like you're talking about everything in terms of words. You know, I need 10,000 words. I need this. Yeah. But I guess in my mind, you also, if you're telling, say, a story or describing a region or whatever, part of that is you know, really made visible to people through the map. So do you also typically write 10,000 words and then put together a rough sketch map or a framework of events and things like that? Yeah. Or, you know, not? No, that's a very fantastic question. Mm -hmm. So um, first, I, I do, um, most writing contracts will either do words or like pages. And pages, I think it's like, what, it's like a thousand words. It changes all the time. There is no good method. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I use word count is because a lot of times books have a certain amount of word count that they can have before they start turning into bricks or personal defense weapons. Um, and, and so, so you, so a lot of times the publisher's like, well, we cannot have more than 200 pages in this book. Otherwise, it's going to be massive and, and we cannot produce this. And so I speak in terms of words because that's what most writers' word counts are. Um, writers' contracts will be word count. Um, uh, just because you can take how many pages you need, you can figure out the words on each page, and then you can figure out how, much, how many total words you can, can uh, devote to that book. So like a full adventure, like full on actual adventure book is going to be anywhere between 190 to 200,000 words total for that book. Anything more than that, it's going to start getting unwieldy. Yeah. Now 11, that's not including art. 1196 pages is the absolute max you can make with library binding. Ask me how I know. <laughs> so, so that means that those, so you do create some rough sketch maps or something to describe what you're about? So it depends on the writer. I generally don't, but I have in my brain uh, like a full movie theater that I can play while I'm writing stuff out. Um, others will have to have that physical thing. Every writer is different. When it comes to things like art notes, is, is specifically what you're talking about, map notes, those are something different and that goes on to the developer end. When a developer hires a writer, they want you to write the world. They don't want you to put word count into describing the art. They want you to create the things from your head and then they take what you create and they make the art notes from that and that's what gets sent to artists. So if you as a writer have something specific, then 
you want to make sure that you describe it in enough detail within the text. Now, if a developer, for instance, has art already purchased that they purchased from another book that they have a license for that they never used. I, this happened to me for Black Void, actually. He was like, hey, I have this art. Here are some, some images. I, can you, you create monsters around some of these images instead? So it was kind of like reverse art notes where he gave me the art and then I created the monster. So, um, so with the, the scenario that I wrote for Black Void, that it was kind of the flip side of that. But um, that is absolutely something that developers can do as well, where they're like, we have stock art or we have extra art that we paid for. We want to use it. Can you create something around this? Incorporate this. Yes. So, so it goes, it, there's, a, there's a back and forth. So writers are hired to build everything from your brain. If a writer needs to sketch out like, like a map or anything like that, absolutely that's fine. And you probably should send that to developer when you send in your notes, because that means that they can take that and give it to an actual map maker who can make it look pretty um, and publishable. So, so uh, that was the freelance question. Yeah. Thank you very much for the answer. It provided a great deal of insight. Yeah. Um, on the small publisher side, it's almost, it's very related to what was just said. So you've got a certain number of words for like an adventure or a book or something. What do you do in a circumstance or what are the options of what to do in a circumstance as a small publisher when you've got a lot of great content but you plan for maybe like, I don't know, a 300 page book and now it's 500 and something pages. I got this. <laughs> go Zach, go! Alright, there, there are two options and this just happened to us. This just happened to us. Um, on our second to last Kickstarter. And it was a book called Splinters of Faith. And it was done for Pathfinder originally 15 years, 12 years ago. I went through personally and I counted every page in the first, there were 10 soft covers, right? I counted them all. And then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give 20% for growth, for boot, you know, growing out. And then there's another venture, like I'm gonna count those words too. I'm like, I'm gonna figure it out mathematically, like, you know, laughing earlier when I said that. Mathematically, how many pages is this? 326, said Zach. It's wrong. Wrong, it's 550. Because I did not know how many maps were in it when I made that guess, right? And so when you have more, you have really have two options. Either you don't publish them, you give away, you know, you give away PDS, but they aren't in the hardcover, or you suck it up. And suck it up, we paid $12,000 more for printing on that book without raising the price on it because it's a beautiful book. Honestly, it comes down to do we are willing to lose, not lose money, but make less money, which we all spread around as partners? We're willing to make less money to make better books. The answer was yes. So you don't just shrink the font. We never do that anymore. Are you kidding? That's a, that's a, that's, an that's a loser move. Nightmare, we're all actually. old. We're all old. We're all old people, and we and yep. honestly, and the, the layout people we work with now, accessibility is so very important that if I even suggested such a thing, I would have to go find another job because she'd tell people it'd be true. So I'm not going to do that. No, that's really your options. Or the other option is you, you break in two products. This one just wasn't, the one I had in front of me was not designed for that. But I've done that before. And I've also done things like, well, this map's not going to work. So we would take a whole section out around that. And I've asked for more money, I might add. Um, hey, I'm going to use, for example, someone I just love to use. Case Kasashin. He does lots of work for us, partner. This is too damn long. <laughs> like, how am I going to trim this? What do you want me to do? And I'll take his advice, and I'll see what he says, and I'll also ask an editor, and we'll figure something out. But 
Frog God is not well known for short stuff. But we're working on it, Dan. We're trying real hard because paper is 150% more expensive today than it was six months ago. Yep. And so that's a bigger consideration now than it was. Yep. But I like to include the author in that decision, but it's not always possible because some of them aren't available or don't care and because they wrote it six years ago. Because we have stuff on file that we've needed. We haven't got the chance to produce yet. Someone quit, whatever. We're going to get to it, and we will. When we do, they don't remember writing it. I don't blame them. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah. So but there's consideration both then, but... Honestly, it comes down to how much you're willing to sacrifice for cost, and we're willing to sacrifice enough for that one. So, uh, I I got more on this one. Um, so I have a series of small zines right now, Valley Out of Time. There are four of them currently printed. Uh, I have a Kickstarter going right now for parts five and six. Uh, I had an idea for part five, and as I wrote it, the idea kept going and, and building, and it was it was rich material, and I didn't want to cut any of it. And the first four issues varied between 20 and like 40 pages. Part five is like 95 pages. And when I launched the Kickstarter, I forgot to change the cover price. So it is for exactly a 95 page zine is selling for the same price as a 20 page zine. And at that point, you have to make a decision of what kind of small publisher you're going to be. <laughs> because you can put out a crap book that is financially by the numbers viable and that will be the last book you sell or you can suck it up and you print that book because once the book is printed it's forever and I would rather give somebody a book that they appreciate and actually use than just sits on their shelf and and they look at it and say I'll never buy anything from them again and yeah, it's a fight and it sucks. And my one sentence or two sentence thing here is that uh, that's why you don't have, uh, you don't quit your job to go do this because absolutely you, not. You can make those kind of decisions for your artistic integrity when you're not hungry. So, yep. yep. <laughs> Over there first yep. and then you. In the back. Um, this is more for the small publisher side. Um, you talked about how even here at this convention, you found an editor. Mm -hmm. So obviously freelance writers, your work is out there, um, especially as you start to build a reputation, uh, you can provide samples of your work. Freelance artists, uh, similarly. How do you find a freelance editor? And what types of qualifications would you be looking for for some of those like back office technical pieces that are reliant upon working with somebody else's content. I'll let her go first real quick. I have, I have a really quick one. Right. Look at who wrote it and who is the editor listed on the cover or in inside um, of your favorite books. Yeah. And start from there. Um, I can speak to the fact that when it comes to editors, uh, unsung heroes are editors and layout people. Okay, mm -hmm. they're the unsung heroes that is absolutely not possible to do any of it without those. Uh, it just really isn't. And so, they're, everybody's underpaid, but I'm a big believer that editors are the most underpaid right now. It'll change. But uh, how do I find them? Well, when I had no money, 
um, I used my grandmother, who was a librarian and a teacher. And because that's all I could afford, and she would met my exact my expense account, which was zero. She met that, and she did a great job. Her and I went over the whole thing, right? But that's as I went, adorable. it's true too. <laughs> I even dedicated the book to her, as you can see in my yeah. Anyway, but as I moved, you know, forward with it, it was became. Um, I met an editor because he was on my Kickstarter as a backer and had some complaints. And he's in here in the audience. He just walked in a little late, but he had some complaints, <laughs> and they were legit. And he had read it. I couldn't believe anybody read it that quickly. I released a PDF. He goes, oh, I have a couple of things. Like, let me have them. You know, and I was learning how to do things, but he was giving me really good advice, and he still does. And that's how you meet the people. Kickstarter is a great platform because it brings attention to a project that otherwise would be almost impossible to show to anybody. But that's how you meet people because people, you're showing a product, and people actually want to reach out because these are fans. We're not selling air conditioning. People need that, right? They don't need elf books. They want elf books. They're fun. They want video games, you know, those kinds of things. Fans want to talk to you just as much as you want to hear from them positive stuff. No, but you want to hear, and that's how I met uh, Edwin. But that's how I met the guy today. So I have a booth, right? I'm as I grow up, you know, the size of how many people work in our organization. I meet them differently than I did. But that's how I met the first one I worked with outside of my grandmother. <laughs> uh, another untapped opportunity is if you know any teachers. They are a wonderful source. Uh, if you know an English teacher, perfect editor. If you know a few teachers that know English teachers, though. If you know, if you're <laughs> writing something that has a sci-fi twist, and you know a science teacher, you can drop enough jargon in there that makes you look like you know something about sci-fi. Uh, if if you have the opportunity, and the teachers are available. Because they're very busy. Everything um, is on fire. They, they are an excellent resource. I've had a number of my books no, edited by English fine. teachers. Totally and it's not 100% because they ask me, what is this word? I've never heard this before. Like, oh, well, encumbrance. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's crazy things like that. They don't necessarily understand. What's what a glaive you saw? It works out. And it's uh, usually they're very happy to do it for reasonable rates. Actually, that's, I'm coming, I think, from the other side of where you're answering, because I am an English teacher, and I'm interested in getting into editing. Well, then send me an email. Okay. I mean, that, 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 that's, yeah. my, that's my fastest answer to you. Look, wait, wait, hold on. Uh, Shine a flashlight in the corner before he hides. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, OK. So anybody who wants to be a small publisher, back corner. <laughs> No, on no, but Absolutely, yeah, like me, editors are gold. I'm gonna do, just because you mentioned I'm going to go back to the what I would ask for, if you actually had a resume and you're coming to me and say, I'd like to be an editor for you, quite frankly, I'd be the first one to ask, have you ever done any editing at all in gaming? And you say, no, that doesn't stop me because of it. Have you done any editing at all? Like, well, I grade papers. Well, I'm already interested, okay? I'm not super interested yet because I mean, hey, I did, a, you know, I, I did salt, a ghost salt marsh. Like, yes, um, but hey, I edited 50 term papers. That's about as important, right? Um, and if you're a gaming fan, I'm already kind of interested. I have to. I work with an editor. Uh, he's a full-time editor partner at Frog God. And I can say I'm going to hire you, but I can't tell you go through him, right? But we have, like, in my department, but I'm already interested. And if I'm on your side, because you've told me something you've done that I'm excited about, if it's term papers, um, I will pass along the right people. So I'm, I'm kind of like a traffic cop in a way. Like, I make the decisions, but I don't like to make them without people who actually have a stake. <laughs> so... Did I answer your question better? Yes. Oh, you're good. 
just curious, can you give us kind of examples of the current uh, freelance rates that you're seeing or hearing about? Well, uh, as far as writing and oh, for writing and editing, like rates. Yeah, oh, rates. rates. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this changes so much, and is such it, as, yeah. It does change so much. So here, so first off, is never work for free. Mm-hmm. However, I like personally. I know that there are people that don't. I do work for trade. So like, if uh, I I hate layout, it is not my thing. If I make community content, I need somebody to do the layout for me because that meme with like you insert a picture and word and all of a sudden everything shifts and there's a siren in the background and nuclear bombs are going up. That's me. I'll trade you layout for you. <laughs> I'll work so, for Paige. I'll trade you. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so I will absolutely do, do work for trade for, for stuff like that. Um, uh, uh, but I, I don't work for free. Um, minimum and I'm talking minimum 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 and this is like you have to love the project or you have to love the company is three cents ten cents is <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, glad. I'm more than that thank god ten, ten, cents is, ten cents has been the average for me for most of of offers and stuff like that I have gotten paid up to 16 cents per word um and so like there is a, a range of things and ways for you to be able to be paid. Um, and if a, if a publisher goes to you and is like, well, we're going to give you one cent a word because you've never been published before, that's bullshit. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> Even though that would benefit me, that's BS. Um, I, like, I, I've had people who have offered me one cent a word after PIP system came out and Chicago by Night came out and I'm like, so I'm not an established writer? What? So, like, there are people who will try to get away with it, call them on their bullshit every single time. Um, uh, yeah, like, uh, like if, you're, if you're nervous about negotiating any sort of contract, remember that publishers do often have like a limit of what they can pay people to. Like for instance, when I do my PIP system primers, we do, uh, we do, I call batch pay. So you write me an article and I pay you $50. Um, the articles can be anywhere between, what is it, 500 and 800 words. So it averages out to be about four to five cents a word, but that's because it's a small, a small press. I have a very small budget for that. I have reached out to people who, they are like a part of Sifwa or they're, they're part, they like their minimum is like 12 cents a word and they do try to negotiate. And I will absolutely as the, the developer for that say, Hey, I appreciate this and I understand you are valuable and I get that. Unfortunately, it doesn't meet my budget constraints at this time. However, are you comfortable with me keeping you on for larger projects where I'm going to have more of a budget? And usually they'll say yes. Um, but, you know, again, I recognize value in people's work and I recognize that people absolutely have the right to demand what they are worth. Um, and not only is your time worth it, but your skill is too. And from, from the perspective on the other side of you, you do the pips, so that makes yours really handy because you understand both sides, right? Um, for us, uh, I'll be honest, um, five cents a word is what we generally start at and stay at. Um, we don't increase it very often because what we do that is, I think, un- not unique, but really great for us, we pay on delivery. We never pay on publish. We never pay after six months. We don't have a 90-day hold. Mm-hmm. The day you turn in the document to me, we, the word count is what you get paid for. We have, a, we have a payment gateway. 
And I am a big believer in, if you're going to write an SD monster book, I count STR as a word. I've seen, they've seen contracts that says, well, abbreviations don't count. Oh yeah, they do, you gotta type them in. They yeah. type, right? Yeah. And I am a big believer that we've done things like we pay by well, converters sometimes between systems, by monster, and then we made sure that Edwin and I had a, we worked where, hey, a CR 10 is different than a CR half, right? So if you're interested and understand the first time it will be low, it may be lower than what I'm offering, but that's once. Honestly, I would not accept less than three cents a word once, nope. but more than once. I wouldn't take a half cent a word for editing more than once either, right? But what I would take is like, I have experience, I'm happy with this, this is what I've already done. And then if they say, well, how about four cents? Like, I don't know. How about four cents and I'll pay you on you know, delivery? Well, that's better, yeah. There are also things, yeah, like the, I'm gonna call perks. <laughs> um, Sorry. Because payment, no, but payment on delivery is really important because I've had projects where I'm still waiting for payment and I've, I've uh, submitted it a month ago. Um, but that's because of the wording of the contract. I understand that that's gonna be a little bit later than what it is. Um, and so like there are things like that. There are also things like um, uh, specifically with um, the Red Opera, all of the writers have the ability to buy that book at cost, which means that I can go order that book and then sell it at, at a con for the MSRP and make a profit. We give ours away. <laughs> ours are free. Yeah. yeah, and some of them are free. <laughs> like some some of the publishers are like, yeah, you can order ten books for free. We get three. Sell them a lot. Sell them as much as many as you want. So there are other things that can be added to contracts, such as that. There are other things that can be added, like we will own your words for six months. After that, those words are now yours. I've seen that as well. So there are other perks to take into consideration as well. The payment on delivery is a big one, I will say that. Um, that is a very big perk for a lot of smaller publishers to be able to do that, so. And one thing to remember about this whole thing and this, the small publishing and the freelancing is, as much as this is a hobby and a lot of this is artistic work, you know, writing or the art or whatever, it is a business for, for a lot of people. And there are different small publishers are in different positions, but it is a business. It's not personal unless that particular company decides to make it personal. Yep. And then that's a whole different yep. uh, subject. That's but, a whole other subject. Yeah. You know, well, if, you might talk if about you're, tomorrow, if you're well, I might brand, talk about tomorrow, yeah. See? If you're brand new <laughs> to the hobby, you're not gonna make big money right off the bat because nobody knows if they can rely on you. Once you build up your resume and once you get some credits under your belt, then yeah, you can you can push. But like Crystal's saying, don't get bullied by somebody because you're brand new. There are bullies. Everybody was brand new. There are and bullies. There yeah. are Bad bullies. bullies and awful fucking people in this hobby. And we're yeah, trying to get them out. And that's part of why we're doing these seminars mm -hmm. is to let people know that's not normal. So please don't feel like you have to get stepped on 
to be a part of a hobby that we love. Of course, they're outside. So. All right, we gotta go. Thank you very oh, much. Hey, I want to thank I want to thank Crystal first. Thank you, Crystal. Please attend the next seminar. Whatever. I always feel smarter when she's here, not so much him. Um, if you have specific questions, especially about publisher stuff, um, I do this all day long, all the time, and I do like to help people out. Um, reach out to me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Zach at NecromancerGames.net. What yep. time is it tomorrow? So, uh, four o'clock. Four o'clock. Four. Right. Uh, it's the tabletop or TTRPG um, mentorship workshop. Um, Skeeter and I are going to be talking about some of the like lingo back and forth and Good. the lost in translation stuff and answering questions and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, otherwise, I will. I do not have a booth, but I am all around the convention. Please feel free to come up, ask questions. Um, I'll be around a little bit after the panel as well to answer questions, okay? We're throwing Apple Tracker on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you Thank you, everybody, very much. Thank you. Please reach out if you have any questions.